Cue the Dagger, brought to you in partnership with Inside the Rink. Inside the Rink is your one-stop shop for all NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. I'll be your host, Clifton Ramey, and I'm with my co-host, Logan Rosengard. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing all right, Clifton. How are you? Doing good. Just been enjoying playoff hockey uh, as much as I can. You know, I'm not really invested too much, so it's a little different. You know, I'm not antsy all day or anything, but the hockey has been relatively good, so it's been oh fun. Oh, God, it's it's top tier. I mean, you the Tampa Bay Lightning are on are in route to maybe go three for three, which yeah, would be unreal. the least would be the least shocking, but the most shocking thing to come out of the playoffs. Uh, we've got the Battle of Alberta, which has been a great series so far. Uh, really, really, really good hockey, needless to say. Yeah, it's it's been great. The NHL has gotten everything they've wanted through every round, pretty much, minus the quick sweep in the first round of Nashville. And then we'll get to the Florida sweep a little bit later, but I wouldn't call that that bad. Um, no. But if you want to go ahead and jump into our sponsor here. Of course. And a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. All right, Logan. So we have just one quick little fun Blackhawks topic to talk about or the playoffs. I'm going to let you go ahead and decide which route we take first. I, I really want to talk about this Boston Globe article. Uh, it, I, I don't, I don't know what to think, how, how to think about it. Uh, it, so who, who was the author again? It was. So, uh, yeah. Anyone who hasn't seen it yet, Kevin Paul DuPont, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. That's the best I got. Um, put it out, and he said that Boston should package Jake DeBrusque and Brendan Carlo for Kirby Doc. And I'm going to let you just go ahead and take the floor here and just give me your full-blown opinion on this. We asked 100 hockey fans in the Chicago area if they would accept this trade. Survey says, eh, I... I okay. Kirby Doc projected ceiling first line center. Brandon Carlo, Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque is really good. Brandon Carlo, pretty good. Both of those guys together is a pretty good package. I, I don't think there's enough value coming back to the Blackhawks for Jake DeBrusque and Brandon Carlo to be the only pieces if we're giving up Kirby Doc. I know Kirby Doc is, uh, what, through 150-some-odd games, he's really just over, like, half a point per game, which he's, he's been injured. There's a bubble season. Uh, COVID kind of interrupted his, his, his development. but Forced up early. I, I don't think – I – no. Sorry. That trade doesn't go with me. Uh I like the two pieces from Boston, though. Like, I think I think you can work. Like, that's a base for maybe a few other pieces going both ways. Like, if I'm Boston, I want more for Brandon Carlo and Jake DeBrusque than just Kirby Doc. And if I'm Chicago, I want a little bit more 
than just Brandon Carlo. And- oh, okay, so hold on here. Uh, now, I was agreeing with you 100%. Until you said that you think Boston will run more than Kirby Doc. I don't I, think I Jake think- DeBrusque and Carlo are even worth Kirby Doc, to be honest. He he was putting out, because I went through his Twitter feed, right? And he was saying that that's the package for Boston to get that number one center. You're not getting a number one center for, I'm sorry, Jake DeBrusque, yeah. On the year, he had 66 games played, 25 goals, 17 assists. Like, yeah, he's a goal scorer, but he also played with some of the best players in the league. He also was more up and down than a roller coaster, dude. I just, Jake DeBrusque is maybe a second-line wing that plays half the season. He's a second-line wing who plays half the season like a first-line forward and half the season like a fourth-line forward. And he, it's almost like Dylan Strome, but on the wing. Like, I mean, not the same a, style, yeah, but like a, production. I mean, you've got a 45-point, maybe 50-point player each season. I mean, he's 25. He's still got a little bit of room to grow. Jake DeBrusque I'm talking I think about. he is what he is. I think I don't he know. Is. I think, I don't, like... I'm trying to look at it from the. If I'm Chicago, I want to. I want more. If I'm Boston, like Kirby Doc, is I'm I'm basically playing Moneyball right now. If I'm oh, so, to, so let me like, let me ask you this then. I'm Kyle Davidson. I call you up. Okay. I go. I need an answer immediately. It's yes or no, and I'm I offer you that. this trade. You're saying, saying no that. if you're if Boston? I'm Don, if I'm oh. Don Sweeney, I'm saying no. Oh, and let, only let me put the preface though. Bergeron retires because that's the big thing here that makes it. Bergeron retires. They no longer have a center at all, essentially. I still say no, with, given that context. And I know it sounds crazy because they would desperately need a centerman, and they desperately would need a young centerman to mold into the Boston system and be the Boston guy, but. And again, I'm playing Moneyball right now. You're replacing 45 to 50 points a season in Jake DeBrusque and 15, you know, a little less. I know it's, a, I know it's different because he's a blue liner, but let, for, for the sake of argument, 15 to 20 points in Brandon Carlo with not necessarily that production consistently every year. Like 26 points in 70 games for Kirby Doc. You're so here's my question. A lot. Just so here's, my, here's my question. Kirby Doc's 21. We already went over the injuries. You made all those solid points. Do you where do you project him point wise? Because if Kirby Doc's by the time Kirby Doc's 25, is he going think, to be? I more, think he's a I think he's a 45 to 60 point player. Like be, I, I, better you know, defensively, right? But yes, so, and that's so, why I yeah. So hear me out on this. So you're you're essentially getting a bottom three defensemen, right? Carlo on a really good team is probably on your bottom pair on a, they, on a, a cup winning team can have Brendan Carlo on their second pair. Like I'm not saying he's not a second pair defenseman. I think he's very good defensively and he helps out on the PK, but he's like that. He's the fourth, fifth or sixth defenseman on your roster. And he's already going to make 4.1 million the next five years. Dude. Like That's a lot of money for that kind of guy. And I, I just don't see, like, Brendan Carlo, to me, I would give you, if I'm going to use draft pick value-wise, I'd give you a fourth and maybe a third would be my high end. But my point here is Kirby Doc is at the center role, if you can find a way to win faceoffs, because there is a chance he does get moved to the wing. But if he stays at the center, which is way more important than the wing, you got a guy who's better defensively, younger, bigger, and is going to put up similar amount of points, 
So to me, Kirby Dock is way more valuable than Jake DeBrusk, who everyone knows wants out of Boston, even though he did re-sign for the two years of $4 million, he does want out, and that hurts his value. Like, every team in the NHL knows he wants out. So you're going to get pennies on the dollar if you're Boston. I'm sorry. Yeah, you signed in that contract, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want out. Like, it's only a two-year deal. I mean, you make a good point there. I mean, I don't know. I I just don't think I like DeBrusque as much as you do. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I, I, I do like DeBrusque. Like, I think DeBrusque, you, you, your, your Blackhawks comparable to Dylan Strome, I think, is spot on. He's a good, coaster. like, he, he's a, Jake DeBrusque is a good defensive-ish. Uh, One word to describe Jake DeBrusque. Streaky. Yeah, but. I don't I want don't streaky. I don't want streaky either, but I don't if know. If you take I mean, Jake DeBrusque, right? You look at his. You look at his totals. Okay, how about his... this? Take Jake DeBrusque. Let's say Strom, Kane, DeBrinke get to play together all year long, right? Right. And you put Jake DeBrusque on the Hawks. Does he score twenty five goals not playing with him? I don't think he does. Because I don't think he can create enough. Does Brusque score 25 goals not playing, playing with Kane? Kane or Debrinkit? No, but I think he scores 15 goals, gets 30 Ugh. assists, and is a pretty good guy on the back end. I think you're wild with guy. the 30 assists, my guy. I mean, look, I'm look, 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 look at his. I'm just saying, look at his point totals, right? His first season in the NHL, 70 games, 43 points, 27 assists. The next season, similar. In less games, he scored one less point. He had more goals given, but he had 27 yeah, goals. He's a goal assists. scorer, yeah. See, okay. So I, but I, that, I would agree. If, if he played with Patrick Kane, he would score all year. He'd score 25 or 30. I agree. In 1920, before the season got shut down, he was on pace. Let me see. He was on pace to score uh, career-best 44 points. He's in that 40 to 50-point range at uh, 22, 23. He gets injured in the 20, or he has a pretty bad year in the 2020-21 season and bounces back this year. Doesn't play a full season. He's still, he, he's hitting that 40-point mark easily every season. You factor in his defensive value. Again, I, I again, I do not I, think, if I'm Kyle Davidson, I am not accepting Kirby Doc giving up, getting back Brandon Carlo and uh, Jake DeBrusque. But, if we're talking about Jake DeBrusque's value on the team, I think it's there. I think, like I said, if you get another pick and maybe a prospect coming to Chicago, I'm, I'm a little more willing to take it. But, yeah, it would definitely you know, straight, have to straight up, straight up for the, the, the one for two, the doc for Carlo and DeBrusque, I'm never taking that. And it's because just... of that streaky uncertainty factor. But, and I don't think Brendan Carlo fits. Why do we need Brendan Carlo for? I mean, we he, are so long no, back there, though. And that's the other thing. Like Brendan Carlo is a great anchor defenseman. We don't need him. I mean, we he have would immediately guys be... that are going to fill that role next season, and that we have guys in the system that will be 
equivalent to Brandon Carlo. Yeah. Like, I mean, we don't get me wrong. Like, he would immediately be like the second or third best defenseman on the team, but we're not trying to be good next year. He's 25. And my big issue is I know 25 is not old. Okay. 25 is incredibly it's old defenseman. But it's old when you're talking. You're starting a rebuild right now. Yes. I don't want. I don't want my well, my defenseman to be 31, 32 when I'm just starting to round into shape. You know what I mean? I want him to be 28, no, 29. No, you got a point there. When you're rounding to becoming that playoff team, because by the time you get to the playoffs, one or two years of struggling, learning how to win in the playoffs, you know, and then your window's only open for one year. I want to be the Tampa Bay Lightning where my window is open for five, 10 years. I want to be the old Chicago Blackhawks where our window opened because we built a young core. We didn't go trade if, for that 25 year old. If the Blackhawks lived up to their uh, preseason like wild card bubble playoff team projections that all of the advanced analytics numbers had us at, which like, then this know, trade would make more sense. That, that Like if we were a team that actually did something this year and was competitive and showed that we, Hey, maybe we should have been in the playoffs. I, I would say we should do this because yeah, it would make more sense. It, it would I, make I don't know if sense. I would say yes, but cause I, I, I don't know if I'm a Kirby Doc stand. Maybe like you may you may almost want to put me in the stand thing, but I still believe in Kirby Doc. I think Kirby Doc is going to be I a think stud. Kirby, I think Kirby Doc is great. I I think you're low, but like I didn't say anything before. I let you just roll with saying he was. I think he gets closer to the seventy points, dude. I really do. I think he's got the skill. I think I that don't he was rushed. Seven, I don't see seventy in him, but I see. I, I think he's just I got think so much a lot of skill. Dude. So much. It, yes, skill. You like, I remember in the bubble, and I know the bubble was a weird time for most players, but I remember in the bubble, he, Kirby Doc, played with uh, uh, skill. Like, you look at his, you look at the fundamentals of his game, you look at his, uh, you know, his, his skating ability, his, his passing ability. It's very fundamental. It's very like the, he's got the basics down. He just right, has to right. get the NHL-ness. Of I'm, the getting, NHL-ness. I'm getting wild yeah. with it here. I'm about to ca- compare Kirby Doc to Alexander Barkov. They heard that right. Barkov. Barkov came in the league and only had 24 points. And then, yeah, he had 36 points. And then he took a jump. But even it took Barkov, who's a stud. And then he kind of tailed off a little bit with 52. Ah, never mind. He had 61 games played that year. So I take that one back, but it took him three years in the league or two. His third year in the league was when he really broke out offensively. And he's a guy who's a defensive style forward. That's the only reason why I went to him was because Kirby doc has been thrust into a defensive role. Now I am not saying Kirby doc will be Markov. I'm not saying that at all. I don't, I don't think Kirby doc has this right now. I don't see him being a Selkie candidate. I don't know. He's he's not there yet. That's what I'm saying. I don't see. I think he has that potential there. I really do. Watching him play, I think that's a ceiling. But I just I don't see. I don't see his like average season being the top ten Selkie getter, which I don't see him getting Selkie votes consistently. As well, the only way that he's going to be able to get any Selkie vote, he's going to have to win a little win faceoffs. Obviously, that's going to have to change. But if he can do what Dylan Strom did and just flip that switch. 
I think he definitely could be in the Soki. And, like, when you watch him this year, and I know offensively he was brutal, he deferred too much, had very little confidence, and you could tell, like, he had no confidence with the puck. He had a few games where, like, against Boston, I think he, you know, kind of went down, dangled a little bit, and then got staved on a breakaway. He had a few of those games. He's deleted, like, Twitter and social media and all that to clear his head. And you can tell he just needs his confidence to come back. This is probably his first full offseason where he gets to train, also take a little bit of a break. He's not recovering from injury. It's not shortened and all that. And just that it's Kirby Doc, when you watched him, he had plays like if you if you remember, there was a time Connor McDavid had the puck and he carries it down into the corner and he's flying and just McDavid on his just begging McDavid just stops on a dime and foot back backwards. And normally anybody in the league would have shattered their ankles and died into the corner and Kirby Doc stuck with them on that one. And then Connor McDavid's breaking back up the wing and goes ahead and tries the same move again, but back the other way. And Kirby Doc doesn't fight with him again. And that's Connor McDavid. And Kirby Doc is not the fastest player. And so the point is why it's impressive is it was just all about positioning like he wasn't keeping up with Connor McDavid by any means but he was in the right spot he played the correct position he kept his body where it needed to be he does that a lot he gets thrust out in the penalty kill he gets thrust in a lot of defensive roles and I think that's why his offensive struggle is because he's putting so much on defensively and I think when he starts scoring offensively, it'll also help him defensively because he'll spend less time in the defensive zone and so he'll be doing less defense and look better because now he's in the offensive zone more, if that makes sense. But in order to get any type of Selkie vote, you have to be really good in the faceoff dot, and he stinks in the faceoff dot. So until he fixes that, it's just right. a pipe dream. 100%. I, and again, it's not to say Kirby Doc isn't – he just hasn't proven it yet, right? Like he, he hasn't been given enough opportunity – to show the full potential of what he can be. And I think next season, what he, uh, Doc, I, I think it's really good that Doc played a lot of this season. He played 70 games. I think having a basically a full season under his belt, having the full off season to recover from whatever injury, whatever else he may have been fighting, and we're getting a good reset going into training camp in August. I think it's going to be really good for him. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think next, I think next season Kirby doc is going to break out a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be my breakout player of the year candidate, but I think having played a full season in the NHL, and having a full off season to reflect on it is going to be really good for him. I agree with you on that. Like he's probably a really good candidate to break out. And I mean, he is, but when you also look at the Blackhawks, dude, there's really not much candidates to break out next year. If you want to count Lucas Reichel breaking out, but to me, that doesn't count as breaking out because it's just his rookie year. So right. I, it's next year is going to be pretty doom and gloom for the Hawks, but Connor Bernard, Connor Bernard, I don't know. Let, Connor let, Bernard. Let, I just sit, Connor Bernard. <laughs> I I think the team. Don't get me wrong. I think we're going to suck. I think the team's going to suck next year. I don't I want think we're going to be. 
I do too for the same reason. I think we're I want, we're a bottom I want Connor Bedard and I want Matt. I want I want Mitch Kov. I want Bedard. I want all those guys. But I think we get one of them, dude. I really do. I think we land up in a top two, top three pick because we're bottom sixteen this year, and we definitely are not going to improve the roster. I, I expect think our Davidson. roster's going to improve, but I don't think we're going to be that bad. Like we've got, I I think we have what I like to call too many guys syndrome. Right? I don't I don't think we do though. We like, we I have mean, a line. Jonathan Tate, if, unless Jonathan Taze comes back and plays great, but I, you I, I mean, back. we got to see how free we got to see how free agency plays out because we got guys to resign. We're going to let guys go. I think Our we get worse. It's going to fundamentally look way different worse. than it did this year. It's going to no, probably no, get on. worse, but it's going to look way different than it did this year. I, I can't say for sure if we're going to be a lottery pick next next off season until we get through like I. I just need to see what our I would, is, I would right? put 100%. We are easily a bottom six team again, and I really do believe that we land up bottom three. I just think our division's really good. I don't think they're going to go sign some good goalie. I think they're just going to go sign some plug to throw in the net. They're not trying to be good. Davidson's essentially said that. And, I mean, you just saw this year we had Patrick Kane and Debrinket and Seth Jones, and we still stunk. So, and that was with Marc-Andre Fleury. If you take Marc-Andre Fleury out of the net, we're probably a bottom four team this year. So I just think that unless they go and do something stupid and sign like a good goalie, which that would be dumb, like you really should just sign the worst option there is because you're trying to be bad. I mean, you, and you, you've still got to resign Kevin Lagan and we'll be fine. You got to be competitive, would... but you're competitive by having Patrick Kane and Alex Sprinkett. And Seth Jones, that keeps you in games. Bad goalie keeps you from winning games. That's yeah. my mindset. No, I mean I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think off season like potential goalies that are available in free agency. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be boring for the Hawks, or we're going to just see we're going to see players get moved out, like maybe a Connor Murphy or guys like that might get moved out. I, I, I think our I think the offseason once once we get past the playoffs, once we get into the draft, once we get into free agency, I think there's I, I agree. I think there's two options for the Blackhawks. It's either going to be really, really quiet and we're gonna make some minor moves just to like fill the gaps that we need to just so we can have an NHL roster. Or we're gonna clean house and it's gonna be the most active offseason in the history of off seasons. And then we're gonna be the worst team. And we're NHL. and we're gonna embrace this rebuild in the way that we probably should have seasons and seasons ago and either way there isn't going to be an in-between there's not going to be this weird like i remember what uh eight was it 18 19 that we signed or traded for robin laner in the offseason or was it 1920 1920 i think i don't know it was one of those summer going the summer going into that season that we had robin laner i think it was 1920 uh I remember we signed Robin Laner and I'm like, no way. Like we, we got a sick goalie and we looked kind of decent on paper. And there was a minute where we were kind of competitive. Obviously that didn't pan out. We sucked. We, we traded Laner to the, to the Knights, uh, got what we got in return, Malcolm Subban, the whole nine, but th- that's not going to be the case. We're not going to sign 
a couple of guys and pick up a couple of guys that had really good seasons and make us look like playoff contenders. No, there's no more retool. No, no, no. There's, we're past that. I think Kyle Davidson knows that. I think the Blackhawks front office knows that. I think whoever they hire for head coach by early July is going to be on the same page of... Isn't that a little wild to you? Wouldn't you want your head coach like kind of around for the draft? Like, wouldn't you I mean, want him to have like, a may, little it, bit of say? It makes me think know. that they kind of already have a guy in mind that they've been talking to, and it makes me think that it's an internal hire, which not I'm not saying Derek King. I think everyone kind of agrees Derek King is not the guy for a rebuild and not the guy for the Blackhawks, unless I'm wrong. But I don't know if they have anybody else inside. If it's anybody, it has to be King because you're not doing Crawford, clearly. You're not bringing up Sorensen because he's done too good of a job in the AHL. Why would you do that? Like that's he's not he's not any more NHL ready than Derek King. So I, I just I think they're gonna go outside the box and the way that he was talking, I think they're gonna find a guy that like Detroit thought Blashaw was gonna be a guy that was gonna rebuild them and coach him to a cup. I think that that's the kind of thing that he's looking for in a coach. So I think they're going to find a guy and give him a long deal. As wild as that sounds, I think you're going to get a younger guy that we probably haven't heard too much see, about. We're going to see a four. I, I, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a college coach or I wouldn't be either. I, I remember a while ago when we were shopping around after Quinville, uh, I don't know what happened to him. Whoever the coach at the time uh, of Denver, um, I've heard. I've heard. You're talking. That wasn't Quinn, was it? Please don't tell me. I think he's an odd. Somebody put him out there. If we hired Jack Quinn, I'm gonna jump off a bridge. I don't think it was awful. I I I I don't remember. What's the old coach of the Rangers? Right? Was it the old coach of the Rangers? Oh, uh, you're you are thinking of? Oh God! Is it Jack? Is it Jack Quinn? It's not Jack. It's something else. I, you're Jack Quinn's the hockey player. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who? Okay, this is David this is Quinn. Have the, thank you, David. David Quinn. Thank you. No, I don't know. No, David Quinn was the guy from Boston. Came yeah, from Boston I, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of David Quinn. Um, I I don't know if the coach at Denver. I can look it up. I have the internet. Is the same. Uh, guy. Um, but well, you do that. We'll go ahead and just transition into our last couple little things here. Uh, any playoff hockey you want to touch on? Uh, only few things I really wanted to say is wow, Connor McDavid. It's not much more to say. Absolutely, Connor unreal. Connor McDavid is good at hockey. We've known yep, this. That's, He's showing it out. Stop. Much more to say. I do want to say this. There's been a lot of conversation. I've seen a lot of chatter of Connor McDavid quite literally being the best player to ever play hockey. Might be the most skilled player. You got to win to be the best. That's exactly what I was going to say. You have to win to be the best. To me personally, I agree with that narrative, but. I will not, and it's the purest in me. We've we've had this conversation on the show. I'm a bit of a hockey purist. He will never be Wayne Gretzky. 
until he beats Wayne Gretzky, right? Like, I don't know the, if he the, has to beat his stats. I just think he has to win the cups. I think because his numbers are going to be fantastic. I don't, and I don't, I don't know. know. I I think. I just don't think he can put up those numbers anymore. Gretzky played in an era where, I mean, we're trending that way. So maybe like scoring is up. So maybe, but I think it would be unfair to say he has to pass Gretzky. I think that he obviously has to get like top five in points somewhere in that range. And then I think he has to win, win four or five cups. You know what I mean? I think for me, it's, you can be the best player and you can put up the most point or most skilled player. Cause I don't think he's the best player. You can be the most skilled player and put up the most points, but in order to be the best player, you win, you lead. And you guys, and if not you guys, like anybody in general can say that it's the GM's fault. Connor McDavid decided to take that big contract. He took it. He took up that much cap space. That's where the struggle comes in. When you look at that roster, there's not really a bad contract besides Keskin and the goalie, and that's only a $3 million contract. Otherwise, questionably, the next worst contract has been their best defenseman in the playoffs, Duncan Keith. So that's not a bad contract. It's just when you take up that much money, it's hard to win, and I think that's kind of on the player. It's on Connor McDavid. It's going to hurt his legacy for me in the long run. Um but the whole, only other really topics I had for the playoffs were the Panthers were a disappointment that kind of stunk. I was hoping for a better series. Andre Vasilevsky. It's really, really hard to go up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dude, like Andre Vasilevsky? Unreal. I, I, I know. shutout in a closeout no, game. There is no other way to look at it than Tampa Bay really is that good regardless of whatever narrative is around them, regardless of the teams that they're playing. Statistically, here's the crazy thing. Statistically, Tampa Bay's path is getting easier the rest of the playoffs because I don't think there is another Um, team. And and this is... I disagree. I think there's one team left. Carolina and Colorado. I think are really the only two teams. I think Carolina's good, but I don't think Carolina's as good as Tampa. I I don't think Carolina's as good as as Tampa either, and I'm a Carolina fan. Like, I think Colorado I, is, so I don't think I think Colorado is too, but I think this was really the only two teams that will genuinely give them an actually hard time. And even then, the path is still getting on paper easier. Like you look at you look <sighs> I at think the, that's you, disrespectful look at their, to Carolina, man. And and I think we're I think it is disrespectful and I, I, the Rangers, I don't, dis- I think I the don't disagree with anyway. you, but like you're telling me the Rangers are gonna are gonna no. beat the lightning. Okay, so we're on the same page. Maybe Carolina, maybe, but they've got to win on the road first, and they can't seem to do that. I they would have home ice. They don't have to win on the road. I mean, they they do. Like I know they have home ice, and by game seven, it'll be in Carolina. But that that's so ineffective. Hey, that's, it's working for them right now. I don't know. Who knows? I just think I, I, know I just think saying. if you look no, at it on paper, I'm taking Tampa Bay in most matchups the rest of the playoffs, regardless of whoever they play, well, except maybe well, Actually, Colorado. let's go ahead and do this. We'll go ahead and throw our playoff predi- predictions for little shits and gigs right here. All if right. you're going to predict all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, who would it be? For me, it's going to be Tampa beats Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then Edmonton loses to Colorado in the Western Conference Finals, and Tampa loses to Colorado in seven to 
Colorado, obviously. I think, I think the Flames figure their shit out, and I think they end up beating Edmonton. The only reason why I'm, I picked Edmonton, I'm not even gonna lie, is I slightly want them to make it to the conference or the the Stanley Cup Finals. I think because then that's that third round pick that they have turns into a second round pick for the Blackhawks, and obviously I always have a Blackhawks angle. So. Always. If they could force their way into the Stanley Cup Finals, I would love that pick to be upgraded. You got anything else, my man? I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think Calgary does it somehow. I think they lose to Colorado in the Western Conference Final. I think it is going to be a Tampa Bay, Carolina meetup in the Eastern Conference Final. It pains me to say this. I think Tampa Bay really does go on. And I, I, I just don't like, I don't see Tampa losing. Like, I do not see a world where Tampa loses the Stanley Cup and doesn't make it into the final. And, like, there is not a reality where Tampa doesn't go three-peat. It, it just, uh, they're so good. Uh, I think, so I think Nathan McKinnon will have something to say with that one. That I comes, hope he but... does. I hope We're Nathan not... McKinnon does have something to say about that. Like, I, I will always root from the fans' perspective, I will always root for the Central Division. In 2019, as a oh, Blackhawks fan, as a Blackhawks fan, I rooted for the Blues because I wanted the Ew. Central Division to win. And, and this might be that. Our Boston pod might be over. Our pod might be over after sue that. Me. No. Sue me. No. I was, I was riding the no. Blues the <laughs> Stanley Cup final. I know Sorry, it's terrible. Sorry, driving, but geez, you just said you rooted for the Blues. It's terrible. Oh. I know. No, it's I, disgusting. Even though I picked Colorado, I'm fully not rooting for them. I will never root for any central team but the Blackhawks. They can all go shove it. I don't care. I don't want them to win. If it's not the Hawks, then keep it out of the central because none of them deserve it. It's I just we play them too much. So I just can't see it. No, I, just, I, I don't want to see. I get it. that, but I like just, I mean, at that point, the Blackhawks are so far removed from the playoffs. You got to have some reason to some reason to watch. I I just I, love I, for I just love hockey too much to not have a reason to find a team to root for. Like, like for individual players, like uh, and, I'm right and, now, I'm kind of and that's what it comes down to for me too. Like in twenty in twenty eighteen. I was all over the Capitals because I wanted Alex Ovechkin to get that cup. Like that year was as soon as they beat Pittsburgh, I'm like, there's no way they're losing. There's no way Alex Ovechkin doesn't lift the cup at the end of the season. But I digress. We'll have plenty of time to keep going into Tampa's run and Colorado's run and see when they meet, which is seems to be all but said and done. I mean, I know they both have another series, but I imagine they're both going to be heavy favorites in those depending Either way, whether it's Carolina, New York, or Edmonton, or Calgary, I think Colorado is going to be heavily favored. Um, but, yeah, I think that will go ahead and do it here. Uh, if Kyle Davidson, just one thing, if Boston goes ahead and calls you and offers that trade, please just hang up the phone. Just hang it up. Not a good trade. Um, but that will do it for me. You got any last thoughts here, Logan? I got nothing. Let's go Canes tonight. All right, I'm with that. I'll jump on. Let's win a game on the road. I want the Canes tonight, and I want Calgary tonight, just to tie up that series. Not really rooting for anyone in particular in that series. I just want seven games of that series because that series has been electric and mean and grueling, goal scoring. It's been everything any hockey fan could want. Um, Thank you all for listening to Cue the Dagger. (laughs) 